0: Kowalski
1: Analysis. Episode 84 of Kowalski Analysis. I'm your host, Rob Kowalski, and this is a podcast designed to help you navigate the weight and become the person you're looking for is looking for. So I'm excited to be back. It's been a few months uh, since I've done a podcast, and I'm excited to get back in the swing of things. And I'm especially excited about today's guest because uh, this is a person I've been reading a lot of their work. And I reached out to them and asked them to come on and, and discuss some of the things that I'm learning with all of you as it pertains to um, waiting and marriage, biblical marriage and relationships in general. And um, he writes about all kinds of stuff, adultery and, and, all, and all kinds of fun stuff. But actually, let me let me tell you who he is, and then I'll, we'll go ahead and have him speak for himself. But um, actually, let me pull up your bio, <laughs> bio Brian Patriot. Um, here we go all right here we go sorry i wasn't ready all right Brian patriot is on a lifelong search for the truth on all things faith he has this strange idea that god gave us intellect and reason because he wants us to use them he personally tries to be like the bereans in the bible who are called noble-minded and for they receive the word with great eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. That's Acts 17, 10 and 11. When presented with an idea, he examines the scripture to see whether those things are so, and that gets him into a lot of trouble at times. So with no further ado, welcome to Kowalski Analysis, Brian Patriot.
0: Hi, i um, happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me.
1: Yeah, man. It's so cool. I'm so glad that we're able to do this. Um, me too. I'm going to actually check the other platforms. I just want to quickly look at YouTube and and Facebook and make sure that the stream is live. Hey, everybody, do me a favor. Whether you're watching live or you're watching a replay, drop a comment, hit the the thumbs up button or or the heart, depending on where you're watching it. And um, just let me know that you were here. And if you want to, you can even drop your city in the comments. We have, people uh all over the world that have listened to the podcast now and sometimes we're able to connect them with other people in their area so drop a comment whether you're watching live or you're watching the replay let us know that you were here say hi and um while i look at these the the, the platforms real quick uh i'm going to call you pat for short um tell everybody why they're not seeing your face right now why you wanted to remain anonymous while we do this
0: so there's there's really, there's two reasons. The first reason is doxing and cancel culture. Um, It's become a bit of a problem these days. And there are people in my life that I definitely don't want to draw that kind of attention to because sometimes I write about controversial things. Um, And then the second reason, which is really the more important reason is I know a lot of Christians. I've known them all my life and I I'm tired of hearing people say, oh, well, so and so, insert the name of your favorite Christian preacher here, Mm. said it, so it's probably true. Right. I do not like that. That's sort of the argument from authority thing, and Mm. I have heard all manner of terrible doctrine put forward that way. I don't want anybody ever saying, hey, I believe this because Berean Patriot believes it. I don't don't want that. That's the majority of the reason I'm anonymous. I don't want to be like, oh, hey, you know, I've... I've done this, I've done that, because you guys don't know who I am. I might have three PhDs. I might never have graduated high school, and you all don't know. And because you don't know, uh, I do believe you're much more likely to take what I say as something that you can do exactly what the Bereans did, study for yourself and see whether these things are so. If, if no. I convince you of something, I want it to be because of scripture and evidence, not because Berean Patriots said so.
1: Right, I love that. And I think, you know, like even as I've some of the things I'm learning, which are shocking and eye opening, honestly, because I when I reached out to you, I was like, I'm blown away by this article. The first article I reached out to you about, I'm like, I'm blown away by this. It's like literally some of the information can be like life changing. And I'm not even saying that lightly, but I've presented some of these ideas and this, not even ideas, these facts to people and they don't investigate. They just, they just go along with everything that they've been spoon fed up until now. And there's no curiosity. It's just like, Nope, this is what the Bible says. I'm like, but do you know what the original Greek word was for that? And, and, and there's no, there's no curiosity there. There's well, no, yes. It,
0: and it's more than even just the original Greek words, because understanding the original language can definitely uh, add nuance. It doesn't usually change the meaning of a text, but it can definitely add nuance just even getting people to, to read the scripture in English. Sometimes, uh, you know, I can present someone with a verse and say, Hey, this verse here, give them the chapter and verse. It says this thing very clearly. And they'll look at me and be like, well, but my pastor said, right. And I mean, I could be wrong before i Lord knows I've been wrong an awful lot in my past. But if, if I'm saying here, chapter and verse, the Bible says this clearly. And you say, well, but my pastor said, then the basis of your faith is your pastor and not scripture. Right. And that's a problem in my yeah. mind.
1: Like I, and we had, I'd said this one day on the phone too, cause I was watching, watching a lot of RFK junior stuff. Like, you know, he's talking about the vaccines and different, different like medical, you know, um, studies and related to like, uh, stuff that the pharmaceutical companies are doing. And he's like, look, if I miss something, just show me where I'm wrong. You know, like that's, that's really the essence of any of, of, argument is okay. If I miss something, show me where I'm wrong. I've not done that with people a lot of times re- recently. I'm like, I, I shoot holes in it, please, you know, tell me what I'm missing here. And nobody's been able to do it. So yeah. So I'm excited. We're going to basically guys, what we're going to Go ahead. Oh,
0: just, just one quick thing for you go on. This is actually, um, commanded in scripture. It's uh was it first Thessalonians five? I think, let me see if I can find it real quick. Uh, examine all things, hold fast to the good.
1: There it is. And that's. Examine it. Yeah. It's important.
0: Examine Examine it. I could be wrong. If I'm wrong, then, you know, present the evidence. I will change my mind. I've done it before. I'll probably do it again.
1: Well, the deeper things of God are going to be found with effort. You know, God's not going to just put them right there on the surface. You know what I mean? Like you're going to have to dig for them. So if you want to get. Yeah, I don't. I think that's why God, you know, he says, if you search for me with all your heart, you'll find me. So you have to look if, mm-hmm. you're, if you're just lazy with your faith and you're just believing and accepting everything that's been told to you, then there's probably a good chance you're going to be misled. So, guys, what our plan is here is we're going to do an a 10 podcast series with Brilliant Patriot over the next couple months where he's going to be coming on every one to two weeks <clears throat> and we're going to be discussing different things all around relationships, all around biblical relationships and marriage, because it becomes really clear how we're sp- you're supposed to do this. Sometimes people say the Bible's complicated The Bible's not complicated, that complicated. God made it real clear. When you start looking into some of the things, the do's and don'ts, it becomes real obvious how we're supposed to do all this. You know, when you talk about fornication and adultery and divorce and, and, and marriage and all of the things, it's pretty, pretty black and white on how things should run. And, and if we, re- if we actually did those things, it would, it would fix a lot of the world's problems, I believe. So I agree. Yeah, our goal here, through this, this series is just to clear up any, any, um, you know, confusion, or if people have questions about how things are supposed to work. Some, I mean, and definitely with this topic that we're about to dive into today, you get a lot of people push back and they're like, Oh, man, it's the 21st century. What are you talking about? Like, that was so that was for then, right? Like, and I, I, I thought that for a majority of my life, too. when you talk about saving sex for marriage. It seems so antiquated. But we're going to talk about what the Bible says and why that should matter to you. Like, that was one of the big things I was thinking about leading up to this episode was because very few people want to get married anymore. Like, the... you know, number one, the divorce rate's super high, but people just don't want to get married. They, they think the, the, the marriage is a failed institution and they don't want to do it. Well, I want to talk about why you should want to be married. That should be your goal. And we'll get we'll get probably get into some of that. But first, let's let's get into the we're going to talk about the sex before marriage topic. And yes, the Bible clearly says that it's wrong. But before we get started, um, two things. One, everybody, please drop a comment. Say we only have it looks like somewhere between six and ten people tuning in um say hi hey hello whatever uh let us know that you are here hit the that thumbs up button if you're watching on youtube subscribe but i wanted you to lead us off with prayer um pat because um yeah i want this truth to get through to cut through to people so that they are able to understand it i mean this is a this this one decision can impact your entire life more than any other decision i believe if you the making the decision to save sex from marriage i believe is is maybe the most one of the most impactful decisions that Se- second to following Jesus in my opinion. Sure. But I really, yeah, want to sure. Yeah.
0: So father, I ask that you would be here present in our discussion today, that you would guide it, that you would lead it. Uh, everything that is said, how it is said, what is heard. Uh, I ask that the words that I say would be correct, that they would be right, that they would be true. Uh, if I say anything that isn't, I ask that you would, uh, you would have maybe somebody who's listening challenge me on it so that I can correct anything I believe that is not true. Uh, but I ask that it all would be. And uh, please help us to have a wonderful time and get to know each other a little better, get to know you a little bit better. And please help us to be helpful to the people who are listening, that there would be some, some tidbit somewhere, even if it's not the whole thing, but something that uh, everyone listening could apply to their lives so that they would understand you better, they would know you better, so they would walk with you more closely and obey you more ardently in jesus name i pray amen
1: amen hey real quick before we get started i just want to give a shout out to our sponsor it's charm city countdown it's the largest all-inclusive all-inclusive new year's eve charity gala on the east coast and it's returning for its 15th year so every year it's at the bwi airport hilton and this year's theme is the royal renaissance ball so come on out leave your wallet at home this event features everything including 16 party zones Premium open bars all night, gourmet dinner buffets, live bands and DJs, silent disco, party favor, champagne toast and the largest balloon drops in Maryland at midnight. Go to charmcitycountdown.com for tickets and hotel rooms. All right, let's get into it. So I guess before we get started, actually, we like to do this little thing called this or that. And we uh, this is where I'm going to fire you five this or that questions in rapid succession. And you just give me a, a quick answer back of which one it would be. Is it, You ready? Okay. Okay. <laughs> Don't sound too
0: sure. Okay. This just that gives everybody a chance. To well, get- I'm, I'm getting a little bit of lag here,
1: so. Okay. Can you can you hear me now? Is it coming through okay? I,
0: I, yep, now I can hear you.
1: We're good. Okay. Okay, good. All right. Old Testament or New Testament?
0: First half of the movie or the second half of the
1: movie? <laughs> right. That's what I'm asking.
0: <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Boy, I don't know.
1: If you had to pick one.
0: I uh, probably I picked the New Testament. Okay. Pro- New just,
1: Testament. Yeah, that's fine. Probably. You don't have to tell us. actually, I may yeah. ask you, okay. Would you rather d- discover the Ark of the Covenant or Noah's Ark?
0: Noah's Ark, even though I think it's already been found because I'd be worried if I touched the Ark, then uh, I-, I could have issues like
1: Uzzah did. Yeah, but you could just have that thing in your house. You'd be blessed.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, all right, that, that, that's fair. That's fair. Keep OK, a of glass case, maybe.
1: Right. OK, be Jonah in the whale or Daniel in the lion's den. Who would you rather?
0: Daniel in the lion's den. If you get swallowed by a big fish, you lose all your hair, your skin turns white. It's it's not pretty. It's it's happened once before.
1: OK. All right. In modern
0: uh, times it was a news article.
1: All right. Really? Yeah, I wrote a book. A friend of mine wrote about what Jonah would be like if it happened today. It's a pretty interesting read. It's a fiction book, obviously. Um, sure. Explore the Garden of Eden or the Promised Land?
0: The Garden of Eden.
1: Okay, yeah. Better. Better parable, the Good Samaritan or the Prodigal Son?
0: Neither is better. I find the Good Samaritan more interesting because of all the context that surrounds it.
1: Okay, all right, there it is, this or that. So let me ask you, why did you say New Testament was more intriguing out of curiosity?
0: Uh, I don't know that I would say it's more intriguing. There's enough in the New Testament that you can get the fullness of the gospel. Uh, but it's it's hard to get the fullness of the gospel from the Old Testament exclusively. It's all there, but it's all there in uh, foreshadowing, like in a good movie. So once you get to the New Testament, you see everything, you look back, you're like, oh, yeah. But you can't see it as as explicitly in the in the Old Testament as you can in the New Testament.
1: Gotcha. So first question, um, where did your passion for researching topics like this come from?
0: So uh, slight rabbit trail and I'll come right back on. It's related. When I was about 12 or 13, I went to my dad and I told him I wasn't sure I believe this whole Christianity thing. It seemed really far fetched to me and I just wasn't sure I believed it. And he got this big old smile on his face. And, uh, well, you got to understand who my dad was first. He, he was asked to be in the leadership of the bunch of the churches that he attended. He didn't ask, they asked him when he was that 12, 13 age, some of his Bible teachers would ask him where stuff in the Bible was because he knew and they didn't. So uh, I, this this is who I'm asking, this, who, this is who I'm saying this to, that I, I'm not sure the Bible is, is true. And he got this big smile on his face and he said, good, great, you can't ride the coattails of our faith forever. So I'll show you why we believe what we believe. I'll show you how to do the research for yourself. And if you find out that we're wrong and you can prove it, then, uh, then we'll do what you're doing. And what 13 year old kid doesn't want a chance to prove his dad wrong? You know, like that, that was, a, that was the perfect thing to say to me at that age. And I just never stopped researching because I'm a bit of an information junkie. I love to learn. I love research. That's actually something, one of the things I do in my spare time just for fun. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of the articles actually came about because I couldn't find an article uh, that would tell me what I wanted to know. So I had to search the internet and do the research for myself. And then
1: I wrote it because I like writing too. That's awesome, man. That's good parenting right there. You know what I got, I think probably got like a a Playboy when I was 12.
0: (laughs) And that's why I I knew what a Playboy was until I was much older.
1: And that's why I became a stripper and you became a a Christian blogger. But all right, well, let's let's do this. Let's define sex, because before we start talking about what the Bible says about sex, I know that's going to be the question that comes up. People are going to be like, well, is it only is only penetration of a penis into a vagina? What about oral, anal, hand jobs? the people want to see how close they can get you know without sinning so what let's define sex how do you define it
0: okay so those are those are actually two completely different questions um and defining sex from a biblical perspective is actually slightly more complicated than you than you might initially suspect but fortunately i think we can kind of bypass that a little bit because that's not the actual question the question is you know what can i do without sinning that really that that is the question and the Bible right. does speak really clearly and directly to this so um I'm just gonna mention there there is a place in the Bible that is really super clear that anal sex is wrong yeah even if oh, you're married there should be no yeah there should be no anal sex so that's so that's one thing that you shouldn't be doing but other than that as far as what you can do before you're married or outside of marriage there actually is a verse that speaks to it real directly so this is give me a second to get there. So this is 1 Corinthians chapter 7, and I'm going to read verses 1 and 2. We're going to spend most of the time on verse 1, but verse 2 is useful for context. She wrote, It is good for a man not to touch a woman, but because of temptation to fornication, let each man have his own wife, and let each wife have her husband. And... I want to soapbox here a little bit about Bible translation, because if you if you looked it up with me and you're reading it in the NIV, the NLT, or the ESV, and most other modern translations, they don't say touch. They say something like have sexual relations. So it, it reads, it's good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. That is not what it says. That is... Clearly not what it says, and you miss all kinds of nuance and meaning if you look it up in the the NIV, the the NLT, the ESV, and all the others. Especially, I got a real beef with the ESV. I like to call it the uh, extremely substandard version because they they the ESV subtly twists God's words in a regular basis, and it really really bugs me. Literally speaking, though, what it actually says there is touch and. We'll get into the meaning of the word touch there in a moment because it's important. But first, I want to talk about the word good. So it says, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. And the word there that's translated good is kalos, the Greek word kalos. It means roughly lovely or beautiful because good or noble or worthy of praise. And it can mean morally good. I would argue that morally good is actually... uh, partially embedded in the meaning. And this is stronger than our English word good. You know, if, if I go out and you say, how was the meal? And I say it was good. That's sort of a, a lower tier of good. You know, if I thought it was really good, I would say great, or I would say excellent or something like that. Uh, this, this word kalos here that's translated good is, is much stronger than English good. English, the English word good is kind of weak. This is much stronger. So it's, it's noble it is morally good it is worthy of praise it is all those things it's a relatively speaking strong word so this is not just oh yeah you know it's it's good this is this is right this is moral this is this is acceptable this is appropriate that that's what that means a little bit more specifically mm-hmm. now the word touch there is haptomai, is the the greek word and um It's used all over the place in the Bible, in in the New Testament, not the Old Testament. The Old Testament's Hebrew, a little Aramaic too, but mostly Hebrew. It's a Greek word, so this is New Testament, and it basically means to touch. And it's used all over the place. It's used of Jesus touching various sick people to heal them. But you have to remember that words don't just have one meaning. And so as an example, I like to use the English word fair. I can say you have fair skin. I can say we have fair weather. I can say we're going to the fair. I could say he plays a fair game. And by saying he plays a fair game, I could mean he plays a reasonably good game, or I could mean he plays an ethical game without cheating. Words have nuance. They have a range of meaning. Is it making sense so far?
1: Yeah. Just couldn't give us a shorter version.
0: All right. I right,
1: I I I don't want to lose the listeners.
0: All right. Fair. At one end of the spectrum, it means just a touch. At the other end of the spectrum it can mean to touch sexually it can mean to uh, fasten or adhere to like you might how use the word grope or or cuddle or those sorts of things it it can absolutely mean a sexual touch and in this context with the beginning of first corinthians
1: 7 here it absolutely means to touch sexually that's it. what it means so, so even like feeling somebody up basically you know uh, heavy padding is a sin it's good not to do a, that
0: I've always exactly. said that.
1: I've always said that honestly because just from a practical standpoint, number one, you know, you're going to, there's very easily you could slide into sexual, you could slide into actual sex, right? Because it's, it happened to me. Where yes. We were just making out, next thing you know, I'm having sex. And I was like, I couldn't even stop it. So there's that, number one. Number two, it, you know, there is. And, yeah. It, it, number two, it 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 blurs the lines between you and this person to know, like you know, and and you could very easily marry the wrong person. You you could get a soul tie from screwing around, you know, just just making out and and whatever touching each other. You could start to develop real emotional connections with a person that you maybe you're not supposed to be with. So if you're trying, again, this is the most important decision you're going to make. I, I I think Warren Buffett even said that. Um, that choosing your mates, the most, the most important decision that you'll ever, you'll ever make. So you want you want your head to be as clear as possible. Um, when you make it, but, and this is definitely something that can cloud your judgment. So go ahead. What were you going to say, Pat? Hello? Did we lose you? Okay, uh, I don't know where where Brian Patriot is, but I'm assuming that he's going to come back in. For those of you that are just tuning in, Brian Patriot is a Christian blogger. He uh, he understands Greek and and uh, Hebrew and maybe Aramaic too. I'm not sure. We have to ask him that. But I've been reading a lot of his his stuff, and and uh, like I said at the beginning of this episode, it's it's eye opening. It's uh some of the information that I'm learning is literally like life-changing. So um, I encourage everybody to Google him and check him, check him out for yourself. He's got tons of artic- uh, blogs on biblical marriage, um, adultery, um, homosexuality, um, everything everything that related to relationships as it pertains to the Bible. So I would encourage you guys to read it because it's definitely not stuff that I've seen anywhere else, which is why I wanted to have him on the podcast. So um, feel free to drop any questions. I'll go ahead and try to check the, the feed every so often and see, um, what questions are there as we wait for him. Looks like we got nine people in the waiting community. Keddy Brown. Thank you for, for commenting. Jess Boja, Heather Morrison. Uh, thank you, Heather. It, yes, it is very important. And going over to YouTube. Let's see here. I'm going to call him. Um, okay, his internet dropped, he said. Let's see. All right. Up to 24 people watching, viewing. Um, all right, so while we wait for him to come back, let me, let me call him real quick and see if we can get him back in here. Can you hear me? Okay,
0: now I can hear you. Yeah, no, my
1: internet just completely died. I have no internet. Oh, no. Well, let me do this. Let, let's go ahead and talk for a moment. And I'm going to ask people if they're able to hear you and we can continue like this. This is going to be a little clunky. Okay. Can everybody hear him okay? Drop me a comment. Let me know if you can hear him coming through. I'm, I'm going to go check the comments and see what people are saying. Sure. All right. So one of the things that I really wanted to dive into it and talk to you about was uh, what I mentioned before, um, was why people should want to get married. We're going to talk about what the Bible says about marriage and, and sex, sex before marriage and why it's a sin and why that should matter to you. That was one of the things, because I feel like if people understood, um, under if they if they understood the not only the practicality of saving sex for marriage because I definitely think there's some practical benefits in choosing the right person, but also why it should matter to you to be one to be in the good graces of God, you know, because I think that that's a thing that's missing right now in the world is there's there's no fear of God, uh, and and therefore like you know why not just go about and take the easy way which is you know obviously just to shack up or, or or have sex and move in together and all that so my thought there is why it should matter to you is obvious, you know, if you look at something like heaven and hell, right. And some people will say, you know, they believe that God is gracious and and he's going to forgive them. Cause I know people that are sexually active and they just don't think that there's a, they're betting on God's grace, right. They're not going to stop having sex because they're just betting that God's going to forgive them. But I would say that number one, I would say that there's, there's that, right. There's heaven and hell could hang in the balance, but also I believe that, um, I believe that there's blessings that come with the obedience, right? So I was listening to actually a pod, I was listening to a podcast today with Rolo Tomasi and, um, Bruce Lawn and they were talking about, and Jordan, Peter, just, just it just came back. invite Okay, good, 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 good. All right. His internet just came back, everybody. Woo. Thank you. If y'all said a prayer it just disappeared okay did it disappear again okay well people people say they can hear you fine so until until it comes back we're going to do it like this okay so so i i, I want to hear your thoughts but my 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 main reasons are number 1 heaven and hell i believe that there's blessings that are associated with the obedience at some point because <laughs> I honestly I sometimes i'm like is this even worth it um but I believe I was listening to a podcast today, like I said, by Roland Tomasi and Ruslan and they were talking something about about Jordan Peterson said and they said they would think the thing that's really missing in the world for men is purpose. Like men are natural problem solvers. We want problems to fix. And right now, men don't know their purpose. Jordan Peterson calls it the Lost Boys, right? Like the from Peter Pan, I think, the you know, the Lost Boys and these are these are men that are lost they just they they play video games and they watch porn because they don't know what they were put on this earth to do and and the thing that they even missed on this podcast was i was thinking in order to find your purpose you got to go back to all the way to the source no no creation knows the purpose of what it was created for it's the creator that knows the purpose right you could be a refrigerator you don't know what you're created. like the person that built you knows what you were created for and until you get your act together and get in obedience i don't believe god's going to show it to you and like not to say it's impossible because i think people find um i feel like they find parts of their purpose maybe without god but you're not going to find the full expression of your purpose without god leading you to it. That's like the journey from the Israelites to the promised land. It's going from slavery to freedom. And I think that sexual obedience, like all obedience, but specifically sexual obedience, because it is classified very ca- like, you know, uniquely in the Bible, that if you're obedient in that area, I believe God's going to reward you for it. And and part of that will be um part of that will be revealing your purpose to you. So what what are your thoughts on that? Why should people if this is what god says and we're going to get into that why should why should people care
0: so isaiah i think it's 35. okay
1: mute 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 your computer because i'm getting a uh, echo Are we good now uh, okay computer muted. got it so Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Looks like you came back.
0: I I did come back.
1: Let's do that. I'm hanging up. up. All right. Here we go. Now we're getting into it.
0: (laughs) All right. I think it's Isaiah 45, six and seven. Uh, God says, bring back my sons from afar, my daughters from the ends of the earth. All those who are called by my name, who I created for my glory. And that right there is a very profound statement. We are created to glorify God. And one of the traditional creeds is to to glorify God by enjoying him forever. And the sad fact of the matter is sin separates us from God. It doesn't necessarily separate God from us, but it separates us from God. when When we sin, we kind of put a barrier up there. Not that God can't deal with that, but he doesn't want to bless us when we sin. Not that he won't, not that he isn't merciful, because he is. While we were still enemies, he, he sent Jesus. But as long as we are in abject rebellion to what he wants, is like a good father, like a good coach. You know, a good father wants to play with his kids. But if his kids are rebelling, you're, you're going to be disciplined until you are behaving. And then, you know, your father can play with you. And that's that's just the way it is. God loves us way too much to let us
1: wallow in our sin. It's just not what is best for yeah. us. So, okay. So there's sin separates us. What do you think? I mean, do you believe that it's it's possible that our, our salvation, our, our eternal, um, our eternity hangs in the balance? Do you believe that or No.
0: That the answer to that question is actually much longer and more complicated than we have time for today. Okay.
1: All right. Well, let's not get into Um, that time.
0: Yeah, it's much longer, more complicated. We have time for today. But
1: we can agree that at the very least, you should want to be obedient because there is something that you're going to miss out on. If you're not obedient, there's a blessing in it for you.
0: Well, and and not only that, God is God. he created everything around us. He maintains the existence of everything around us constantly, moment by moment. And for you to look at the all-powerful, almighty, all-wise creator of everything and say, no, I don't care what you want. I want to go my own way is the height of hubris and frankly, stupidity. Mm. God is God. And if you don't care what he has to say, then I, right? especially if you claim to be a Christian, yeah. what are you
1: doing? Yeah. Okay. So the first question, if you're just tuning in, what we talked about, let's the def- defining sex and really what, what, where we backed it up to was defining sin and sin. Isn't just penetration. It's could be groping. It could be uh heavy petting. It could be, you know, or, oral, anal. Uh, definitely. Those things are, are, are sin. hand jobs. Cause those are the questions I used to get. Like people would want to know, well, well, this is this okay. And I'm like, I would always say, I, I don't know, but it's not wise. So, we, the, we believe that the Bible is even clear about those things based off of the the verse that you referenced earlier. What was that verse?
0: First Corinthians, first Corinthians chapter seven, verse one, primarily, okay. but also verse two.
1: So what do you say to people? And this is probably the most common objection that I hear that sex outside of marriage is OK as long as you are in love or you plan to get married and that they don't need a piece of paper to prove their love and blah, blah, blah. What do you say to that?
0: so i'm going to go back to obedience that is the height of folly and stupidity to look at god and say i know you said no but because i feel a certain way you're wrong um it i it's silliness it's it is stupidity is foolishness of the highest order but we can deal with it because the bible does talk about this so first of all a practical argument does quote unquote love excuse other sins I really loved your car. So I stole right. it. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, and you can, you do that with almost any sin, pick a sin. I really, you know, I I really loved how my life is when he's not in it. So I killed him. Yeah. Does love excuse any other sins? And then secondly, what is love? Because the, the modern conception of love is it's all feelings based. Whereas when the Bible talks about love, the, the new Testament, there's several words for love in Greek. One of them is phileia, which is more like our word love, brotherly affection. It doesn't have the romantic component, but it, it is that idea of affection for people or things. But that's not actually used all that much. It is just not a lot. The, the much more common word is agape. And the sort of a, a more formal definition is, of agape is pursuit of what is most beneficial to a person or object in a self-sacrificial manner, regardless of the type of response received from that person or object. So the greatest commandment has nothing to do with evangelism. It's not go and make disciples. The greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. That's the greatest commandment. And Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. What is best for another person, real love, real biblical love, is not convincing them to do something that God explicitly says is wrong, is a sin. And not only just a sin, is a serious sin. That is not what is most beneficial. Yeah.
1: Right, yeah, I, I, you're leading somebody else into sin, and and if the, the Bible yeah, says it's absolutely. better to have a millstone tied around your neck and be thrown into the sea than leave one of my little ones into sin. Definitely, definitely yeah, a verse I used to think about when I was when I was backslid, I used to think about that verse a lot because I was, you know, having sex a lot of a lot of you know casual sex at the time, and and you know it was all consensual, but but still, I'm um, I'm I'm sinning with someone else. You know, it's not like. Yep. masturbation and, and all that support, you know, porn's bad enough by itself. But now you're pulling someone else into your mess. Um, yep. Let, let me ask you this, because in the Bible, because it's a lot of the red pill guys, I'm starting to read more stuff. You know, I read, I'm reading Rolla Tomasi's book right now. I just read uh, Rich Cooper's The Unplugged Alpha. And they don't believe in marriage. Like, that's the big thing that the right. red pill guys say. They're like, don't get married because everything is, is benefiting the woman. You know, nothing. There's no benefit for the man to get married. Um, you know, you get divorced and they take half your stuff and then they, you get the, they get the kids and they can even not get give you visitation and all the things that happen when men get wrecked. So, but, but I was listening to actually, uh, like I said, a, a role to Tomasi podcast earlier, and he talked about, he's actually a Christian. I didn't know that. And he does believe in, um, n- the nuclear family. And he said, he he almost believes in like he said marriage wasn't wasn't like it is now back then, like government sanctioned, right? So you know people got married. Well, <laughs> okay. people, people got married in front of their family, and maybe there was a priest there and they made a promise to each other, and that was it. The government had nothing to do with it. That's a relatively new concept. What are your thoughts there? Can people get married and just have that? I've heard of these commitment ceremonies, I heard of these covenant like kind of ceremonies. Is that possible or does it have to be something that's sanctioned by the government? So let's,
0: let's deal with the historical bit first, because he's, he's absolutely dead wrong. Um, The Romans way back Roman times, and this is even early, the the early Roman Republic. So we're, you know, pre biblical times uh, for quite a long time. The way they got married was confierto is what it's called. And I'm probably mispronouncing that, but, It required 10 witnesses Um, and it was a it was very much a legally binding ceremony in the sense of uh, it was very legally binding. And uh, to the idea that that this whole the woman taking everything and being able to leave easily as new, this is it's actually harder to get a divorce today than it was when uh, Paul wrote the New Testament. Um, I, I've actually, again, I've studied marriage a lot. And in the uh, in the Roman Empire around Jesus' time, a woman could communicate her intent to divorce her husband and even the divorce itself by a messenger. So the the cultural conditions that we are in today, they're not new. This idea of having the government involved in marriage is, is not new. As a matter of fact, and I think it was one, don't quote me on the date, but I want to say it was 168 or one twenty bc they removed the functions of the family council and uh from the father to the state like this is something that actually happened and this is you know 128 bc so 150 years before you know jesus was crucified um and then what was the the what was the second part of that
1: question the well like a, a commitment ceremony and that because isn't it really like I mean, isn't this isn't marriage more of a covenant, you know, like between you and the person before God, and then you know, versus because I I understand like this has been what's been such an uphill battle for me, is I'm telling men to save sex for marriage at the same time mm-hmm. that there's a, a hundred me's or or a thousand me's telling them don't get married, so that's why I really wanted to start with why this is what God says and why it should matter, right? Why you sh- your goal should want to be married because there's a blessing you potentially your eternity may hang in the balance it may or may not. I don't know. It may be above my pay grade, but I do believe there's some, you know, scriptural support for that. Absolutely. But so, so, but they're hearing from so many people telling them don't get married. And, and in all honesty, I see why they're saying that because there isn't a lot of upside men can go out and get laid pretty much anytime they want. Not all men, but a high value man can. And, right. and they do stand to risk a lot because the, the divorce courts are in the woman's favor and so like I, I understand it but I, for me I, because of what I went through with God I my my desire to be obedient is greater than my desire to be comfortable I guess um which would be just sure. out and you know do because and that's what they're saying set yourself up for comfort because if not you're gonna get ran through the, the meat grinder with this divorce these divorce courts and, and they're gonna chew you up and spit you out so for me, I'm like, I would take that risk because I want to be obedient to God, but not everybody feels that way because they haven't, they don't have call the call of God that I have on my life, maybe, or whatever, for whatever reason, they don't feel the same way I do. So can, sure. can they do a com- something like a commitment ceremony and not have to get the, the, the government involved? Is that
0: so Romans 13 and uh, uh, the other place, I can't think of it now, that tells us to submit yourself to the governing authorities. Um And I, in America today, there were definitely times and places. you know, in the Old Testament, marriage was a very, very different kind of a thing. The government really wasn't involved because there wasn't much of a government. But these days, the government is involved. And the Bible is clear that unless the, the government is telling us to disobey God, generally speaking, and there are exceptions, but generally speaking, we should be obedient. So absolutely, if' you're, if you're going to be married, you should you should really have a a piece of paper that says that you're married and especially because it imposes no real extra burden. And if you're worried about the protection issue, well, there is such a thing as a premarital uh, agreement. Yeah. You can get a prenup yeah. like this is I mean, you might have to hire a lawyer and get something so that you're protected if you're a man and you're worried about yeah. it. But get a prenup. Yeah, it's a little bit extra. No, work, you could do but being righteous. Yeah. Yes. Yeah,
1: no, that's a good point. That's a good point. What what he said, I somebody posed that to him. And he said the fact that you would even need to get a prenup tells you that the 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 scales are tipped in their favor, right? Absolutely, and he's right. Absolutely,
0: one hundred percent. But
1: one hundred percent, I agree. It's better, you know, it's better to be in walking in obedience for a little bit of extra effort. Okay, so. Why, why do you think God created the institu- institution of marriage in the first place? Because it is this is God's design, right? This is his idea getting married. Right. So why, what do you think it's about?
0: So the Bible doesn't explicitly tell us, but it does give us a really large clue. Uh, right before God creates woman, he says it is not good for the man to be alone. And one of the, you know, if you're already in prison, the extra punishment that you get is solitary confinement. Hmm. Uh, there's, there's rather a lot of data that says married, married people, both men and women, they live longer, they're healthier and they're happier. Assuming they stay married. And then of course, I think another reason would be because that's the proper environment to raise children. A family is the proper environment to raise children.
1: Yeah, no doubt. Definitely the healthiest two parents. Absolutely. Okay, good. I mean, I, I pretty much think the same thing. I think it, you know, I, I think without marriage, it, you know, it creates, um, it, I mean, basically like you're out having sex with people and it's enjoyable to you and you're maybe you're doing it for your own pleasure, but you're not responsible for those people at all. No. Right. Like, and you mentioned Jordan. Yeah. 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 You mentioned Jordan Peterson.
0: He talks about life of meaning, if you want to actually be happy on a biological level that requires that requires commitment and and all those sorts of things. He's got a lot of really great stuff about this, about how if you want to be fulfilled, not just like temporary happy, it, it you need commitment to something that's a little bit larger than yourself.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's a it's a shallow life if it's all about you. So okay, critics argue that biblical teachings and it is. Yeah. So so critics argue that biblical teachings are subject to cultural and societal changes. This is a, a question that I jotted down before uh before we got on here. How do you maintain the timeless nature of the Bible's teachings on morality in the face of cultural shifts? So basically, what I'm trying to say is cultural conditions have changed. This was a rule for back then, it's 21st century. Does it still apply? Because basically the way I see the way yeah. I see things in the Bible, like you, there's a lot of things in the Bible that were written for a specific time, right? Like at least that's how I interpret it. You know, not mixing certain fabrics together, maybe, you know, not not getting a tattoo that, or maybe I don't know if that was written for the time that was written more for the culture because it was written for a specific uh, culture of people because they, you know, maybe that was associated with. Um, pagan worship the pagan gods, or mutilating themselves, or whatever. Didn't tattoos didn't mean what they mean now. Okay, so it could have been written for a time, could have been written for a certain people, or it could be something that's written for all time for all people. Where does sex fall into that, and why? Sex before marriage.
0: So, so let's let's just go to where it talks about it really clearly. Uh, so, First Corinthians chapter six, verse nine. Back to First Corinthians. It's the Corinthians had a lot of problems with this. So, 1 Corinthians chapter six verse nine: Don't you know that the unrighteous won't inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be misled. Your translation might say, "Don't be deceived." Either way, it's it's don't be deceived, don't be misled. Neither fornicators nor idolaters, and then there's a, a list of sins. None of these people will inherit the kingdom of God. This is this is really clear. And then just back up a chapter, First uh, Corinthians uh, chapter five. Nine to eleven. I wrote in my letter that you aren't to socialize with fornicators, not at all meaning the fornicators of the world, or the covetous and robbers or idolaters, since then you need to leave the world. (laughs) But now I wrote telling you not to socialize with anyone calling himself a brother if he's a fornicator or a coveter or idolater or slanderer or drunkard or robber. Don't even eat with such a man. Love it. And I love the specificity here. He's like, guys, look, I'm not, I'm not talking about non-Christians because if you want to stop dealing with non-Christians who are doing all these sorts of things, you have to leave the world. I'm talking about Christians here, someone calling himself a brother. And one one of the things that most people don't understand right now is it's actually easier to be sexually moral now than it was when Paul wrote those words. Hmm. Explain that. And a lot of people don't, a lot of people don't know this. They think, they think, It's gotten so bad and it's actually gotten, it's actually gotten much better. So when a Roman man became left childhood, became a young man, right around the age of 14, they would often be, they'd be given new robes and they'd be given things like rings and jewelry and stuff. And we don't have the robes. We have the rings and jewelry because they're made of pewter, brass, gold stuff that we can find. And a lot of these things had phallic symbols on them, Hmm. 14 year old boys. And the idea was, Hey, you're a man now. You ought to be using your equipment. I heard one historian say there were more brothels in ancient Rome than there are pubs in London. Hmm. And and pub is a, like a family friend, friendly restaurant that happens to serve alcohol, which is less of a deal over you know across the pond. Uh, it's it is easier to be sexually moral now than it was when Paul. I wrote I still those find books. that hard
1: to believe because back then people had to pay for it. Now you can go out and get laid without paying for it. So you could do the same thing then. I just, yeah, you could pay for maybe. it,
0: but you you could do the same thing. I then. guess.
1: I mean, I get. I don't know. I, I so the women were just as promiscuous two thousand years ago as they are now. Yeah, it's hard to believe in certain
0: societies. Absolutely, you remember Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, said there is nothing new under the sun. Yeah. The conditions in America today are relatively similar to the conditions in Rome when the New Testament was written. Certain parts of Rome, maybe not the entirety of the Roman Empire, Greece at certain periods, uh, ancient Babylon mm. during certain periods, the English Empire, the anglo all of them. Like this is, this is not new, because there's nothing new under the sun. the The nature of man doesn't change, and men and women too. Like sex, <laughs> that's not gonna change. an absent some restraining force, they're gonna go out and get as much as they can,
1: okay, so, so let's go back to the question. The, sure. the sin the sin of sex before marriage. This is something that is not just for a specific time, not just for for specific people. this is applicable now, correct? Yes, absolutely. Okay. I mean, actually, what I've posted that verse before, right? And it's generated a lot of um, controversy about don't even eat with a person that's sexually immoral that calls himself a brother. Because I just know so many people that are Christians that are out having sex outside of marriage and they just think it's fine. And I'm like, if we actually did that, right, where we think about, I mean, you're basically pulling the... It, it hurts in the moment, right? It hurts that person's feelings in the moment, but then it hopefully gets them out of their sin because they're being ostracized. Well, but remember, there is a process for this. So this Matthew 18, church discipline.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you see a brother sinning, you go to him, you bring it up like that's There's a process for this and then you bring it before the church. And most people don't want their their dirty laundry. Ad. Yeah, well, uh, so there, there's a corrective, corrective thing there and there's due process. You, you go privately yeah. first, privately twice yeah. first.
1: I mean, and nobody wants to be excommunicated either, right? But if they were, that that hopefully they would realize what they're missing, and they they would get their shit together, and they would stop stop doing it. And I think about you know verses in the Old Testament that sound a lot like this, where it talks about you must purge the evil from among you when 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 uh, yes. Moses is laying out the law. He's like, if anybody's if a woman's caught having sex with an animal, kill them both. You got to purge the evil from among you. Like it was like evil is like yes. fuck excuse my language but it's like fucking cancer and it will spread and you have to purge it you and if you're not purging it it spreads and it infects everybody and next thing you know you got WAP on the grammys right like teaching all the kids like <laughs> yeah. and they're all like, all, the, well, all and- the teenage girls are singing WAP, and it's like are you kidding me like don't you realize that these girls are going to go out and get pregnant and then they're going to have kids and you know, fatherless homes and those kids are going to go to jail. And then the taxpayers are going to have to support those kids. Like, has everybody lost their mind? This is stupid. But
0: And Paul reiterates this point at the end of first Corinthians six, he says he's actually, they're actually talking about a guy who's sleeping with his stepmother. Um, He's like, remove the wicked man from among you, sort of an allusion to that old thing. Church discipline is serious and it's not just for the person being disciplined. It's so everyone who sees that process of discipline knows what will happen if they're messing up in in a major way like this Mm -hmm. if you lose that if you lose the requirement that we need to obey the commands of god for example here as far as sex goes then people will lose respect for god if if you don't have to obey what the bible says if you don't have to obey the creator of the universe what what is the point like really if if that's the position someone's taking why why are you even watching this live stream yeah it's a great
1: question, actually.
0: Um, also, and, and I I, I want to bring this up because most people don't, they don't think about this when they say, oh, hey, the standard has changed. The one time the standard changed in the Bible was when Jesus died and the Mosaic law was done away with. Notably, it only applied to the Jews. But there was a lot of hoopla. It was made very extremely clear that the rules had changed. If you want to say that God changes, first of all, you're directly contradicting the Bible. I, the Lord, do not change. It's Malachi maybe three. I don't remember exactly where, and you know, Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. But if you want to say that God's moral standard is going to change, you really haven't thought about it because that idea should scare the crap out of you. Right.
1: Because then what are you basing your life off of? Because if he could change, if he could change his moral code or standard,
0: then the rules
1: change. Exactly. Right.
0: It's, that is the scariest, that is among the scariest thoughts that you could consider is what if all of a sudden, you know, eating meat with a fork in your right hand is a hell-worthy trespass. Right. Yeah, I th- because if God is going to change His moral standard, why couldn't He change it arbitrarily? That I way?
1: think I saw you going back and forth in one of your blogs with someone about this because they're talk about you know, oh, that was in the Old Testament, but and and correct me if I'm wrong, but with the New Testament, the New Covenant, He didn't because Christ said He did, I did not come to abolish the law but to fulfill it. There was there was nothing that he told us that we could do that was now wrong. Now, we don't have to do it right. We don't have to do all those laws, those, those Levitical laws, uh, right. Yeah. All that stuff like short, yeah. we can eat shrimp and we can have, you know, whatever. But those laws aren't bad in and of themselves. It's not like any of those things that he said to do all, all of a sudden became wrong at some point. Right. Right. Well, and.
0: Exactly. And it's really helpful to, and this is an artificial division. I want to make that clear up front, but it's really helpful to divide the mosaic law into three categories. The moral law, which just never changes. It was wrong before, during, and after the law. The uh, ceremonial law, which is your your washings, your sacrifices, your which foods you can eat. Uh, and then there's your uh, sort of legislative law, the the law that is about how you govern society, how you punish a criminal for this, that, or the other thing. The moral law has never changed. Jesus abolished the ceremonial law, which was made very clear, like with Peter lowering the sheet, you know, don't call unclean what I've called clean. And then the the law that is more about the government, we don't have to follow it, but it does give us an idea about how God thinks the society should be Mm. run. So, Romans fifteen verse four says, "Whatever was written previously, it was all written for our instructions, so that through the hope and the through through the scriptures and and perseverance and hope, you you might live or something very like that." I Everything was written. Wrong, the past so.
1: was written to teach us, so that through the encouragement of the scriptures and yeah, we might have hope. I know that. Word. That's yeah. it.
0: That's it. Yeah. So that's it. It's it's an important idea to look at the Old Testament and say we do not have to obey the Mosaic Law. If you think you do, go read Galatians. Uh, but you can also look at the Mosaic law and say, Hey, God is not stupid. He did these things for a reason. You know, he, he was the, he was the one who came up with, you know, here's how you treat leprosy. Here's how you cleanse a leprous house. And if it's, if it's actually leprosy, you burn the house to the ground. Like those, those sorts of things. If you look at a lot of the instructions.
1: Yeah. I even, even just even about, like about think about like the way they told us to farm the land, you know, let it rest every so often. Mm-hmm. He talked about the year of Jubilee where all the debts will be canceled. And when we mm-hmm. don't do those things, then the wealth gaps that happen right now, like if those if, if we ran a society the way that God told us to run, things would be completely different in the world. Now, we don't have to, they, they would be. Completely, yeah, we don't have to do yep. those things. We don't have to, you know, lend and they only get to use our land for. You know, whatever 50, every fifty years it returns. But if we did run it the way he said, the world would be a lot better.
0: Well, and a lot of that actually had to do with the the covenant uh, with Abraham, which was renewed with Isaac and Jacob. The the returning of the land to to the people who originally owned it as it was originally divided up by God. So a lot of that is that. But yeah, a lot of the instructions are would make a huge huge diff. Just follow the Ten Commandments, please. Mm. I would love to live in a world with no more stealing. Yeah. All right. Just just follow the Ten Commandments. <laughs> that would make a huge difference.
1: All right. Critics say that it's that the idea of abstinence until marriage is unrealistic and outdated. I mean, I think we kind of already talked about that. But how would you address A, a little yeah. bit.
0: And I mean, I was a virgin on my wedding night. So was my wife. So was a very large number of the people I know.
1: It, yeah. It's, I mean, I, I was actually, again, this podcast with Roland Tomasi and he's a Christian. He's like it because men need sex. And I'm thinking, no, we want sex. We don't need sex. I've, I'm perfect. I'm living proof that you can survive without sex. I mean, I had a lot of it and I stopped and it sucked, but I did it and I, I didn't die. Um, So, right. So it's, it really just boils down to delayed gratification. You know, if you believe that, that there's a payoff for you, if you do wait then I believe that you can, obviously, it's not unrealistic, you can do it. And, and you will do it if you believe that, again, that there's something better, better for you in it, you know, in it for you, if you do it.
0: Well, and, but even then, I want to be cautious about the idea of saying, hey, wait, because it'll be better, because it might not be While that is often true. The if I can convince you that, hey, uh, you know, not waiting is better, because you know, I'm, doing the whole Satan thing, trying to deceive you, then you might be like, okay, then I won't wait. At the end of the day, we have to come back to, regardless of if we like it or not, regardless of if we want to or not, the commands of God have to trump just about everything else in our life. And I I say just about, but as I think about it, it, really, I should say everything else. If God says, don't do it, don't. Yeah,
1: no, that's so good. I'm glad you said that because I do think that that is a very, um, naive faith or a very immature faith is to believe if I just obey that it's going to work out in the end, like something good's going to come of it. And I thought I've often thought as I've walked, because I've been abstinent for a long time. And, and, um, Mm -hmm. And I thought to myself, if I go to my deathbed, you know, and I don't have sex again, and I'm gonna accept it that this is God's plan because I want to stay in obedience. And I thought about like Jesus did everything right, he was completely obedient, perfect actually. Yep, and perfect. he ended up on a cross, nailed to a cross. Yep. So it's not like don't think that it just because you're obedient that you know it is necessarily gonna work out. You have to get to the point where you're just obedient for the uh, for the sake of being obedient, and that's it. Tr-
0: because he's god you know and i've heard people say i want god to use me i want me to i want him to you know use me to spread the gospel or or teach christians all those sorts of things and and it's a good desire you know if god tells you hey i'm sending you to this foreign country you're going to preach the gospel for two days and then they're going to kill you but i want you to go anyway you should be willing to go because he's god and ultimately that is what is going to be best there there are bible talks of rewards in the afterlife but if that is your view of god that no matter what he tells me to do, I'm going to do it to the best of my ability and trust his grace when I fail because we all fail. Lord knows I fail. If that is your, your view, if you love him, you will obey his commandments. So obedience to God comes first. It's, it's of primary importance in your relationship to God. Then when he says, don't do this thing, you, you need to not mm-hmm. do it. And if you don't, if you don't have that understanding, then, then don't, don't, please don't even call yourself a Christian. Yeah,
1: I think, because yeah, the greatest compliment is to say, I don't understand, but I trust you. Right. Because like, if you look at Job or someone, yep. he could not have understood what was going on. And, but he's like, nope. I, you, though he slay me yet will I trust in him. And I, I've gotten, you know, thought that many times where I'm like, it's, it's easy to justify an act of obedience when you understand it like god's maybe you know I, i've often thought like okay it'd be one thing to be giving up sex and family and all the money and all the things i feel like i sacrifice if everything was working on a high level i was impacting the world reaching millions of people but sometimes god just sits you down and he's like just sit there and do nothing and you're you're giving up all these things that you want and he's not even using you and you're like I, you just feel like your time is wasting that's where at least i've been at at, at points and i'm like yep. even if god i've been there my too. life belongs to him and if he chooses to do something great with it that's his on him and if he chooses to do nothing with it that's his choice i mean that because well, and i think
0: i think her idea of what is nothing it needs adjustment because so I'm, i've used this example before if you think about all the things we praise about a car, like a sports car, you praise the engine, you praise the, the power, you praise the sleek lines. I've never heard anybody praise the the parts of the electrical system that carry the charge to the spark plugs. Right. I've never heard anybody praise that. You know, I assume there's a wire. I'm not a car guy. That might be obvious. I assume there's some kind of wire that carries you know electricity from the battery to the spark plugs. Nobody praises that, but take that out of the car and what do you have? You have a dead car, like it's, it's worthless. And oftentimes the things that we are doing in ordinary everyday life have an enormous impact that we will just not get to see on this side of eternity. Remember, it's not our kingdom. It's God's kingdom. It's not our responsibility to build God's kingdom. That's God's responsibility. Our responsibility is to be obedient. And if we are obedient, God's kingdom will be built by him.
1: Mm. It's good reminds me of that verse where he talks about how how unsearchable his ways and and his past beyond tracing out. Like we try to always figure out what he might be doing and it's impossible. The Bible tells us that it's impossible to figure him out and search, you know, try to search his plans out and his ways out. So it's, I heard somebody.
0: His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Yes. I
1: heard someone compare it to a, um. I don't know if it was like an af- like a tapestry. I've ever seen like those things that, that are like it's sewn and on one side, it's really beautiful, but on the other side, it's a mess. Yep. That's kind of what life is like almost. Like on one side, it yep. just feels like I don't understand this at all. And then, you you know, on the other side of heaven, and we're going to see the other side of it and it's going to be like, ah, now I get it.
0: And, and we have examples of that. Think of Joseph, you know, he, he worked for Potiphar, did everything right and Potiphar's wife, screwed that whole thing up so now he's in prison and he's in he's doing administration in a prison and he finally gets it in with the pharaoh and the guy forgets you know it's it's the kind of thing where we don't we don't know where our lives are we don't know where they're going you're still a relatively young man so am I. like there is so much that you could do and honestly so much that you probably have done and this is
1: well joseph got to see the blessing though you know like i It took him a long time. I don't envy what he went through, but he definitely, you know, he became the second most powerful man in the world in like a day. And So, and, but but there's no guarantee that happens for us. I guess that's what we're trying to say, because on the flip side, you could look at Moses who never got made it to the promised land, you know? So like he he dies right before he gets there. And you're like, how's that fair God? But, and and Abraham yeah. and Jacob and Isaac they were all promised and the Hebrews
0: Hebrews 11 uh, sort of the faith hall of fame talks about the people who did all these things and still didn't get to see the promise. Yeah. They died without seeing the promise.
1: Okay, let's get back on topic. So how what would you what sure. would you say to people that think, you know, look, you got to you got to take it for a test drive. You got to know if you're you're compatible in the bed bedroom before you get married. What would you say to them? I mean, I I know that that obviously contradicts everything that we're talking about. But how would you counter that argument from a biblical perspective? So one of
0: the things my dad taught me, and this was one of the most brilliant things he ever taught me was when someone presents you with an argument, don't listen to the argument, listen to the assumption behind the argument. And the assumption behind the argument is I know better than God. Mm. I've got to take this for a test drive. There's there's actually there's some really interesting biology, which I'm not going to repeat because I don't actually remember it that well, because it's a long time I did the the research, but there's a really interesting biology that says almost no matter who you are, it'll work out unless there's something actually wrong. And, you know, so me, my wife and I were, we were both virgins on our wedding night. Yeah, it was kind of a little bit awkward. Well, we were really turned on, so it wasn't as awkward as you might imagine. <laughs> but, I mean, you know. And- hey, I,
1: virgins it, it, have the best sex lives. That's proven.
0: Yeah. And it was a little bit awkward for a while, but you know, we figured it out and we keep figuring it out. And part of the way that you do that is you just talk with each other. Like, Hey, did you enjoy that? No. Okay. Well, how about, th- Hey, could you try this? You know, set that up a little bit of good communication, but for the people, for the people who, who say, I need to take it for a tra- test drive. My question is, where does the Bible say you can take it for a test? Yeah. drive? Had God, God explicitly said, do not n- not even sexual touching like we look first corinthians 7 no no sexual touching before marriage and which notice i mean you can still hug you can still hold hands you can still sit next to each other it doesn't it doesn't mean you can't be affectionate but no sexual touching before marriage god is very clear yeah. do you think you know better than god are you wiser than he and if you think the answer is yes then i'm sorry we need to sit down in a matthew 18 you know uh church discipline kind of a thing because at the end of the day the most important aspect of our relationship with god is obedience from the heart yeah that's it if you don't have obedience from the heart or at least you're trying right the difference between the righteous and the wicked the righteous do everything they can to follow what god says to do and trust his grace when they fall short because we fall short all the time the wicked don't even try yeah that's the difference yeah. like that, that really that is the difference so if you're going to not even try, you—I feel really bad for you. I will try to convince you of what the Bible says and that there are consequences. But if that is what you really want to do, God gave you free will. You are welcome to do whatever you want. You are free to make any choice you want. You are not free of the consequences, both in this life and in the life to come.
1: I think really, if you boil that down, you know, first off, I think about Proverbs three, five, and six. It says, "Lean not on your, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own." Yes. Right? not on your own understanding, yes. in all your ways, acknowledge him, he'll make your path straight. So first off, if you're saying that you need to take a dump for a test drive, you are trying to make a decision, a very important decision on your own understanding, right? You're mm-hmm. going to like, I got, I want to see if she's good in bed because that'll help me make my decision. So you, you basically what you're saying, I'm going to be disobedient to God so that I can make this decision without him or on my own. Like, no, that's a terrible strategy. Number one, number two, if you, absolutely, if you go to the heart of the question, it's very selfish, right? Because it's all about, is she gonna you know he or she gonna you know fuck me right and that is selfish love if, if your yep. decisions about love right which it should be for marriage it love is sacrifice it's not about you it's about them and i I've, I've said this before but like if a mother takes home a little baby from the hospital that she just had she doesn't go hey if he doesn't walk in, you know six months can i bring him back <laughs> You know what i mean like, right you, you love right. that little baby you do anything for that little yes. baby if the baby doesn't walk you might even love him more because now you you know what i mean like so if you if and you love a person, and that's a commitment yeah so if you love, love a, a person and they don't do all the tricks that you want i mean you get through it right like you you you, mm-hmm. you love the person and you're gonna sacrifice for them and and, yeah. and i don't know like i know there's people i've never been in love romantically but i've loved people like family members and friends and it's such a good feeling you know it's such a great it's like we should all want that and the devil's he's duped us he's duped us into trading it for some cheap you know fun you know in the moment that's gone and then it leaves you empty
0: Uh, yeah Uh, so let me let me slap some greek on top of that the the word agape that that I, i mentioned before it's about doing what's best for someone else um you can hate someone's guts and wish that person was dead and still treat them with agape. Mm -hmm. It it is about action. Agape is about action. It's about what you do. Fileo is about emotion and what you feel. Agape is about action and what you do. And then from a more practical perspective about, Hey, what do you, what do you got to take it for a test drive? So, um, I, I dated a few women before I made it, married my wife, not, I never did anything. I said, virgin on my wedding night, never did, but I dated a few women before I married my wife. I am the only man that my wife has ever dated. She, she met me and she was dumb enough to think I was kind of amazing. And she thought she got some pretty clear signs from God that she was going to marry me. So she kind of waited and I was actually interested in somebody else at the time. But the, the number of times she has looked at me after talking with one of her girlfriends about some relational issue that that particular girlfriend is going through, she look at me and she'd be like, I am so glad I don't have all that relationship baggage from dating other guys. And I think that same thing applies to sex oh, as well. Absolutely,
1: dude. So,
0: you know, got to take it for a test drive. I mean, a woman is not a car. A wife is not a car. And Jordan Peterson really makes this a great point about cohabitation. It's, it's basically cohabitation is saying, I'm going to stick with you until I find someone. I like
1: you enough for now. Right. Exactly. I like you enough for now.
0: Exactly. And that's a terrible foundation for a relationship. And what it actually tells the other person is, um, if you don't meet my standard, if you're not good enough in bed, I am going to dump you. Yeah. That's what that actually says. Yeah.
1: I I recommend everybody go read, go to brilliantpatriot.com and read the article on I don't remember it was if it was about marriage but you referenced some stats about people that live together they cohabitate before they get married.
0: So it's the article actually has the same title as this uh podcast. Yes, the Bible clearly says sex outside of marriage is and actually I have it open here. Give me just a second. Sure. I know oh, yeah, I can, there's all
1: kinds of negative consequences that come from that cohabitation and and that that's what people, most people are doing now. And everybody's questioning marriage. Is it a, is it a, yeah, a, a, you know, failed institution or is it just antiquated and and nope. no, it's not, you know, in the number. The I number mean,
0: do you want me to read a few of these stats sure, or do me? it? Yeah. So one, six of cohabitating couples stay together for only three years. Only one in 10 survives five or more years. So you want a 90% chance of being single yeah. cohabitate? Yeah. Um, you, you about double your risk of divorce. If you do get married, the rate of STDs is six times higher among uh, cohabitating couples. There's greater risk of substance abuse and psychiatric problems much greater rates of poverty, far greater. And, um, cohabitation is very directly connected to abuse. Um, well, it's it's, so 33 times higher, 33 times higher. I think when it comes to kids, is it? Yeah. When it comes to kids, the, the, the likelihood of abuse goes up by 33 X, not 33% as in plus one third times 33. It goes up immensely. And the children are the ones who face enormous amount of risk and, you know, the dads leave. And when the dads leave, you get a fatherless home. And it, it's, it's a horrible thing. Marriage. There's a reason that marriage has existed in every successful culture across the globe. Mm. There are some cultures that didn't have it, but they usually lived in mud huts. Mm. Um, There's a reason why in every culture across the globe, marriage exists it is the environment necessary for raising children and i mean just imagine if if you're cohabitating with somebody you're just living together and you've got this well let's take this marriage thing for a test drive you have subconsciously in the back of your mind oh if i'm not good enough he'll just dump me right how much extra stress yeah. is that even if you're not aware yep.
1: of it it's hard to go all in on that right
0: it, it's super hard by contrast, if you make a commitment to somebody, you say, "Look, I'm I'm going to stick with you through hell and high water, unless because there's there's a couple of unlesses you know, adultery, and there's a few other few other biblical justifications for a divorce. Uh, unless you do one of these specific major things, I'm going to stick with you my entire life, even if even if you don't get along for a while, you sort of have this knowledge that we can kind of fight." for the rest of our lives for a couple of decades, or we can try to figure it out. Yeah. And yeah, divorce being easy is, is not a good thing for society. Yeah.
1: Thanks for sharing those. So, I uh, this is a question that I had written down before we started the, uh, the interview is there, are there any instances in the Bible where relationships and marriages were formed without a strict, no sex before marriage principle? And how do you approach these instances?
0: So, of course, there were. Um, But you have to remember, the Bible is not entirely, this is what you should do. Like, you read the epistles, it's almost all what you should do or should not do. You also have to remember that the Bible contains a lot of history. So, you think of, like, Judah, I think, slept with his daughter-in-law. I think it was. I think Genesis
1: 38. She disguised herself as a a prostitute, right?
0: Exactly. And after that, it's kind of funny. Judah's like, well, she's more righteous than I am. Well, Okay, maybe she is, but, you know, someone who's only murdered somebody once is probably more righteous than a serial killer, but that doesn't make either of them righteous Mm -hmm. from an objective standpoint. So absolutely, absolutely, there are examples of sex outside of marriage in the Bible. However, distinguish between what's, what is good and said, hey, you should do this and what is not. And those are never, ever portrayed as positive events, Mm -hmm. ever, not even, not, certainly not once that I can think of. And you know, made doubly so by the clear, clear instructions, both in the Old Testament and in the New. Don't do this. If you don't have a ring, well, okay, they didn't have rings back then. But if you're not married, you shouldn't be having sex. Mm. Period. You should you shouldn't even be touching sexually,
1: yeah. according to first Corinthians. Yeah. Good. Um, all right, this is gonna be my, my last question. Unless uh, if you have any questions out there, I'm trying to check the comments on in the waiting works community. I'm having a hard time getting them to come up. I'm gonna look at my phone here in a moment. So if you have any questions, sure. feel free to drop them. And I'll try to get them uh, before we we um, end the interview. But I do have one more on my list. And it was basically, some might argue that engagement serves as a period of commitment and intimacy before marriage. I actually, I had a a friend that I used to, you know, we got into a, he was a Christian guy and he was like, I gave her a promise ring. I remember he said to me and I was like, I laughed at him. Cause I'm like, it's so, it's, it's such a cop out, right? right? It's such a cop out of promise. Mm-hmm. Ring. I promise to get engaged to you and married to you. Um, but how would you distinguish between premarital, distinguish between premarital sex during engagement and outside of it? Equally wrong, right? Yes. Yeah. I thought so. absolutely. So
0: uh, again, the, the here's the question. Are you married? Yeah. If you're married, then you should, un, unless there's some physical problem, you should be having sex. 1 Corinthians 7 actually talks and about you. this a little bit. Yeah. Well, it, yeah. Almost. You should be having yeah. sex. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely does. And if you're not married, you're not actually married, then you should not be having sex. The, the thing that complicates this issue um, is the way that marriage was contracted in the old Testament is very different than it is now. Yeah. Um, so let's say you had a daughter that I wanted to marry. Um, and think like Jane Austen. I knew the daughter cause we met at dances or around town or whatever. I knew her a little bit. I might go to you and be like, Hey, I want to marry your daughter. What is it going to cost me? And then, uh, we would agree on a, on a price and I would pay you the bride price. And at that point she would legally be my wife. However, um, so, so that, that complicates things a little bit because there are a couple places that I know people go to and I don't think they're good places. The Song of Solomon is one of them, which is funny because the Song of Solomon repeatedly says don't awaken love before it's time. So there are places where people are like, well, no, nah, see, it's, it's, it's engagement there. It's okay because, you know, an engaged woman is called a wife and no, a betrothed woman is called a wife, not an engaged woman. And those two are are very, very different. I hope that makes yeah. sense.
1: I actually have heard somebody uh, pastors, I think they said, you know, like basically date for a while, but when you get engaged, make it short. Because the, what happens is I think in people's minds is when they get engaged, they feel like they're married in their mind, right? Because they, at that point there's a commitment made and you feel, and then that increases the the chance of you falling into sexual sin, because now you kind of feel like yeah. they're your wife or your husband. So basically, yeah. like once you get engaged, don't wait. Like, and I think that's wisdom. Like, I, you know, take, take your time. I generally agree yeah. with that.
0: I generally agree with that. You, you, you kind of want to have an idea who you're marrying. And that can take, I mean, if you've known the person all your life, you may not need to date for nearly as long. But yeah, once, once you're engaged, once you've decided that you're going to marry, you want to give everybody enough, enough notice to show up. Oops, did I, can you yep, hear me? I can hear you. Okay. I got a little thing. It's a connection. No. Yeah. Yeah. Once you're, yeah, once you decide that you're going to get married, once you're engaged, give everybody enough notice that they can plan to show up for the wedding and get hitched. Right.
1: I, I, that's And that's an excuse people like we don't have the money. I'm like, go to the justice of the peace and pay the $75 and get married. And if you need a big ceremony, do it later. You know, yeah, I did pe- that people use that excuse and ladies don't buy it. If a man tells you that he doesn't want to get married because he doesn't have the money, he's just dragging his feet, you know, like,
0: I got married at my wife and I originally got married at a justice of the peace, and then we did a church thing uh, a couple of years later when we had a little bit more money. Yeah, absolutely. And this is, you know, if you're currently living with someone, you know, and if you're on the stream, I'm I'm a little confused why you're on the stream if you're currently living with someone. But if you are, a really great solution is go to the courthouse, just get yep. married. I love that. Tell your closest friends, go to the horse, and if you can't do it for a couple of days, one of you spend a night at a buddy's house don't don't spend don't 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 sleep in the same don't sleep in the same house that's way too much temptation if you're living together go to the justice of the peace get married it costs you 75 bucks and then all of a sudden you have been doing in the bedroom which is abhorrent to god Mm -hmm. all of a sudden becomes incredibly god honoring Mm -hmm. and i've actually heard people talk about this who who had a lot of sex before they got married and then they got married and they say you know what even in married sex is better not not even necessarily frequency of orgasms like for example for women it's
1: just on an emotional
0: level it's just better so go to the whole courthouse get a couple of buddies to come with you just go get married
1: yeah it's good i love that you mentioned that too because i've heard that married sex is better i was telling a girl the other day, I'm like, I don't think I've ever made love. I really don't. I think I've had a lot of sex in my life, but I don't know that I've ever made love, but I've heard that, you know, like sex is almost like a spiritual experience. Like maybe God's even in the room kind of thing. Uh, And I've never been married. So I don't know. Is that, is that how it is?
0: It is. Okay. So I don't, I don't have a basis for comparison because of course, like I said, I was a virgin on my wedding night, but there, there is something reasonably special about it. And, uh, I'm just going to drop this tidbit out there while I'm thinking of it. Uh, Ephesians talks about how husbands are to love their wives as their own bodies. That has an obvious application in the bedroom. So if you're married, you should make your goal, it, your goal should be your wife's pleasure as much as your own, right? Love your wife as yourself, not more than, not less than, as yourself. And when you have that, you both have this mutual, You're you're trying to make sure each other enjoys it, and you have God- sanctioning it saying this is a good thing that i want you to do it is not hard for me to imagine that it is in fact different mm. I, I i can absolutely see that
1: yeah people have asked me like why do you want to get married you know and I was like i always say guilt-free sex because i'm i'm halfway joking but i if honestly if you just boil down what you just said that's what it is it's because the only sure. start- the only sex I've had since I've become became a Christian has been guilty sex because I was when I was backslidden, I was always guilty after I knew I sure. was wrong. I looked in the mirror. I didn't like myself. I felt like I was, you know, just I was a hypocrite is like I could I couldn't even talk about God because I was like, I knew yep. my actions weren't lined up with my my beliefs. So I just I didn't talk about God. I just was quiet. And 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 um, so I could totally get, you know, the, the, it's a big part of a life that I would like to enjoy again and and to be able to feel like you know this is healthy and this is something that i'm supposed to be doing
0: healthy and wonderful and this yeah. is and what you just said paul actually says this explicitly so this is first corinthians seven again verses eight and nine but to the unmarried and the widows it's good if they remain single like i am but if they cannot exercise control let them marry for it's better to marry than to burn hmm. and there are other places he says this as well if if you want to he who he who seeks a wife, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Hmm. You know, yeah. If if you want to have sex, then the way you need to do it is you need you need to get married. And yeah. then God is the first, okay, so in the garden, God gave man four commands. Be fruitful, multiply, subdue fill you. the earth, and subdue it. Now, our knowledge of biology tells us that the first three commands are all about having kids, and that requires sex. God's first three commands to mankind were have sex. Really, if you think about it. And then there was that little bit about, you know, taking care of the earth and owning it and, you know, being a good steward and that that whole thing. So God is not anti-fun. As a matter of fact, he wants married couples to have sex as often as they want to.
1: Yeah, I love that. And that's something that I think the church kind of misses because they, they make yep. you they, seem, that's almost like it's dirty, right? They make it seem like sex is dirty and, and they don't talk about it. And if they do talk about it, something like you shouldn't do. And but it's, it, you know, it, that's not the way God intended. It. I mean, if you it, read Song it, it, of Solomon, it's very erotic. And and I think it is yeah. Song, of,
0: Song of Solomon. I like if I was going to classify it as a genre, I would call it erotic fiction. Yeah, right. Solomon composed a poem. I mean, it, it might have been a poem about a true event, so it might not actually be fiction. But I mean, I would call it erotic fiction. And here's a here's a little extra tidbit. The name, the word God and the name of God arguably aren't even mentioned in the Song of Solomon. There is a book in the of the Bible which does not mention God. And it is the book that goes on for some length describing a naked woman. <sighs>
1: Yeah, God
0: is anti-fun, and like, it's,
1: and I believe there's uh, definitely some references to oral sex in there too. I mean, I've read, I've read right. it. And I'm like, it's hard to, yeah, I'm pretty sure this is what he's talking about. On um, both men and women. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: like it's this isn't this isn't a, there's no command for you shouldn't be doing oral. As a matter of fact, it's it's, it's right. mentioned on women twice and on men once.
1: Yeah, love it. So there you go, ladies.
0: <laughs> yeah, if that's your Bible. Study if that's your Bible. what you want to do, go for it. This is, I mean, we're talking about the God who in the Old Testament mandated that you throw, I think it's seven parties every single year. Uh,
1: you like, know, it's, it's, we make God a killjoy, a cosmic killjoy, don't we? He's and, not. You know, yeah, he's not at all. It's so funny, we put, him, we put him in this box and all you have to do, even Jesus, like before I knew the Lord, I just was like, I had, I guess, I had an idea of who he was, and it was like a religious person. I didn't, you know, I didn't know that the religious people killed him. I didn't know right. that he was like hanging out with prostitutes and sinners, and like, you know, always busting the Pharisees' balls. Like, he, it's impossible not to like him when you read about him because you're like, yeah, the revolutionary.
0: What? His first miracle, turning water into wine.
1: Exactly. You know, he, you know, he, he, he's yeah. always at the parties. You know, he he loved a good time. He, he, he did,
0: and and ethically. And ethically, like he did all of it, he, he attended parties. He, so I don't know if you've all seen The Chosen, but if you have, uh, I mean, I have my issues with it, but overall, I think it's a really good show. And one of the things that they get across is, you know, Jesus laughs, he smiles, all the, he's, he gets tired, he gets exhausted, all those sorts of things. And he was as human as we are. He liked fun. Just like, I assume Jesus had a great sense of humor. I could be wrong, but he actually is actually, they're hard to see in English, but Jesus cracks jokes semi-regularly in his sermons that they're sort of lost in translation because Greek is a different language. And um, But he cracks jokes in his sermons sever- semi-regularly. It's God is not anti-fun. Again, no. he mandated that the Israelites take days off and that they throw parts, like seven huge parties every year.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Like, right, check this. So, yeah tithing is one of my big pet thieves. There were three tithes under the Old Testament law. The first one was paid to the Levites and everybody knows about that. The second one was paid to the poor every three years or a third every year. I can't remember which. The last tithe was called the feast tithe. You were supposed to take 10% of everything that you made in the previous year, have a feast and eat it. Really? And if you... Yes, absolutely. Uh, I have an article on tithing. Just search Berean Patriot tithing or something oh, like that. Oh, man, tithing. dude.
1: You're about to blow my mind again.
0: Absolutely. And and here's the thing. If, you, if, if, a thir- if a tenth of what you had was too much that you couldn't take it to Jerusalem because you're supposed to go to Jerusalem for this, you were supposed to sell it to turn it into money, go to Jerusalem and buy. Um, and if I remember the quote correctly, it's something like whatever your heart desires hmm. or something like it's that, that's close if it's not right. God is not anti-fun. He loves fun. He created humor. He created sex. He created... God is not ashamed of sex. He created it. Mm. Christians can be ashamed of sex, but God created it. He loves fun. He's a wonderful... You know, every every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. Sex is good. Love you know? It. Yeah. Food is good. Yeah. He's right, not I a got- kill you.
1: All right, I got it. We're going to be wrapping this up in a moment, but I do have a question from uh, somebody that's watching us on Facebook right now. Uh, Elaine Allen down in Texas has a question, and she wants to know: Should an unmarried woman live with her father until she is married, or live alone until marriage? I know what I think, but I'd like to hear what you think.
0: So, I mean, I know exactly what I'm really curious. What you think? Um, so that is a fairly deep question with a fairly complicated answer
1: um well yours is going to be de- let me just tell you mine then real quick i believe that there's i believe she should i don't think it's like you know commanded one way or the other but i believe she should i don't think it takes anything away from her if anything to me as a man if a woman uh, lives with her family it's it's sweet to me it's endearing it makes me think that she's not a whore that she hasn't been out, you know, whatever guys don't care. If you're a man and you live in your mother's basement and you're, you know, past 22 years old or whatever, get yep. out, get your own place. Yep. You know, Don't live in your mom's basement. But if you're right. a woman and you live with your family, to me, it's kind of sweet and I like it because it makes me feel like she's probably a little bit more innocent than the average girl.
0: So let me, one of the most important things you can do when you're reading the Bible is make sure, that if you says if you if you says, really, I can talk. If you say that God wants you to do thing XYZ, you better have chapter and verse. That that is a great rule. If somebody says God wants you to do something, uh, you better have chapter and verse. I don't have chapter and verse that a uh, a daughter should stay with her father until she gets married. It may or may not be wise. Just for example, what if she wants to do a little bit of college? And not college in her hometown. Yeah. So if you're gonna say you have to live with a father until you get married, that means you really you can't leave for for any extended period of time to do anything. And I don't I don't think that's wise. I don't think the Bible says that. And I can say what I think is wise, but I want to be really clear that I don't think there's a specific you must or must not do that biblically. Yeah. So with that proviso, I mean I think it's often a good idea because Protection. women are biologically wired to pick bad men, and right. I mean, I hate I hate to say this, it it, yeah. it, it yeah. is the case. I've done a bunch of research on it; that's absolutely there. And women, especially young women, it's easy for them to fall prey to their emotions and date a guy who's really awful. Mm-hmm. Your father, assuming you have a good relationship with your father, just to be clear, because there are some really awful dads out there, is, you know, probably at least twice your age. Maybe not quite that much if you're a little older. He's going to have a lot easier time seeing through the, pardon my French, but the bullshit. Right. So if you're looking to get married, it's, that's not a bad idea. I actually, I know someone who, uh, it's kind of funny, lives, lives on the other side of the duplex as her parents. Uh, so sort of, it's, it's kind of, she's kind of got her own place, but her parents are literally on the other side of the wall. Um, but if, if you want, if you don't want to live at your dad's house, talk with him about like, he will have wisdom for that because he's been around twice as long, unless, you know, maybe he's a really bad dad. Maybe he's not, I don't know, but I, I think it's a good thing i don't think it's required i don't think it's necessary i don't think you're sinning if you live someplace else you know even even if you're unmarried it may or may not be unwise it's probably a bad idea to move to a completely new city where you don't know anyone Mm -hmm. because you know the another place where the bible says do not be misled is that bad company corrupts good character so Mm -hmm. find people who you want to be more like and try to spend time around them hopefully you're family is the, but again, I I don't have chapter and verse for you should, or you should not.
1: Yeah. I agree with you. I think it's wisdom. I think it's wisdom. I think even like some of the verses that you referenced in your articles, like going back to the old Testament, if a man sleeps with a virgin, he has to go to her father and pray the pay the bride price. There's again, I don't want to infer because that's what people do, right? They, They They try to deduce things mean this, but I do think that, it alludes to the fact that the father has some level of involvement and control over that woman's life until he passes her off to her husband right so I think if you can keep that relationship close it's probably going to work out better for you because again you're right women lead by emotion and and they can get caught up in. well but and not
0: also- not entirely by emotion and I I don't want to pretend that men don't make decisions emotionally because Any man who's ever been in a room with a really pretty woman who he thought was really pretty and got tongue tied, like, absolutely. But it's not quite as much about emotion. It's that women are actually wired to look for the wrong kind of guy. Yeah. I don't, I don't know why I have suspicions about why God wired it that way.
1: But, yeah, I love to hear that because I, I I know that's true from personal that's, experience. That's,
0: that's a very that's a very long that's a very long conversation. I've been a the beneficiary of
1: that of the whatever that was. <laughs> I have a lot of girls that like the bad boy, and they would be attracted to me, and then
0: so what they're actually attracted them. to is the dark triad: narcissism, Machiavellianism, and psychopathy. Um, typically, because people who have that, they have they're extremely confident, and then just about the number one most attractive thing to a woman is confidence. Hmm. Like yeah. that's, I mean, yeah. men look for different things. Yeah. We, we don't mind confidence, but men look for different things. It's one of the things yeah. that women do this. do I, I've done this for a long time. I've asked a whole bunch of women, hey, so did you end up marrying just about the most confident available guy that you knew? And they usually think about it for a minute and they're like, yeah, you know, I think I might have.
1: Yeah. It's called a hypergamous. Women are hypergamous. They're always wanting to date up their best option it's it's biological and some people say it's wired in a, evolutionary because it was for their survival and their survival you know to get the best dna well, for the kids and all that i don't that,
0: know that presupposes evolution and yeah i
1: mean well, I I don't, guess with that. yeah I, I when i say evolution i don't believe in cross specization or whatever the term is where people species yeah. change from one thing to the other but i do believe that there's things like we got taller over time i do believe sure. in some level of evolution i am not not that you know i believe the world was created in six literal days not not you know millions of years or thousands of years or any of that and i don't believe that you know we were once related to a monkey or any of that but i do think we do evolve on some level we just don't change adapt, I, I, yeah, adapt. Maybe that's better... not evolution yeah okay and,
0: and i agree with that there, there's very definitely uh you know uh just as a as an example the there's a couple oh shoot i can't remember i was doing some research about genealogies lately or actually my wife was and uh she was just looking there's there are certain people groups that tend to digest certain fruits better because for hundreds of thousands of years that's what people in that area of the world uh, ate and so the Mm -hmm. people who digested those foods better were more uh i think the scientific term is reproductively successful and so yeah but that's adaptation again the yeah it's not adaptation but not evolution
1: okay let's end this on a high note. And okay, this, this is a, a question for the people that are out there that have engaged in premarital sex, or they're sexually active now maybe, and they, they, you know, want to know what redemption is there for them? You know, what's the Bible's teaching on forgiveness and grace? How does that so, apply to individuals who might have engaged in premarital sex and now seek a path of repentance?
0: This is the absolute best thing about the gospel, um, and I'm I'm starting to get a little bit teary-eyed because I mess up like everybody else. So, First John, chapter one, verse nine. That's First John the the letter, not not the gospel. First John, chapter nine or chapter one, verse nine. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, so he might forgive us our sins and cleanse us from every unrighteousness paul actively and intentionally murdered christians for probably months possibly years and and he still became the apostle paul so i mean my message to you is the same as jesus's message and john the baptizer's message repent change your mind change your behavior and seek god because the end of all things is this. When all is said and done, fear God and keep his commandments for this applies to everyone. That's the mm-hmm. end of Ecclesiastes. So good. repent and he'll Appreciate forgive you.
1: Me. Awesome, man. This was a great conversation. We're going to be doing this again. Are we going next week? Is that is that good? No, had- I'm,
0: I definitely can't do it next week. Okay, I think... I can do it the week after um okay. i will i'll get with you and let you know for sure a little bit closer to the time because i got some stuff that i won't know for sure about another the week
1: okay guys be on the lookout we're going to be talking about what is the best bible translation and more importantly why we're going to let brian patriot break that down for us on the next episode of kowalski analysis well maybe not the next episode i may go live with somebody else next week but then the next episode with him at least We'll be talking about that. I wanted to quickly mention that I am in the process of putting together a private Facebook group for people. It's it's really going to be for men um, only, actually. <laughs> and I know I have a lot of women in my audience, but we're going to do a, I'm going to do a Facebook group for men that really want to discover their purpose and then maximize their personal potential and then utilize that potential. I want to I'm, I'm becoming, you know, pretty passionate about the subject. And uh, I, I kind of want to do my take on the manosphere from a Christian perspective because I see so much bad advice in it there. Where you know, as a Christian man, you can't follow. Yeah. They, they they describe the problems, well, but the remedies are always not uh, sinful. Yeah, there the, are things that you can't do as a as a as a Christ follower. So I want to I want to dive into that world. So if you want to know more information about that, you can drop a comment. Just drop the word um, "man" in the comments. And I will go back through and I'll find you and I'll send you a personal message and tell you more about that private community that we're going to be starting. If you are listening on Spotify or or Apple Podcasts or one of the other podcasting platforms and you can't comment, send me an email to rob at robbkowalski.com. That's K-O-W-A-L-S-K-I dot com. And it's Rob B. So make sure you put two B's in there, Rob at Rob B. Kowalski uh dot com and i'll go ahead and get you more information but this was awesome man tell everybody where they can find uh some more of your articles um online Uh, you're
0: bereanpatriot.com so just google berean patriot um i do have a contact email on the website um i am extraordinarily busy so if you send me an email i will almost always respond and if it takes me, like, if it takes me a couple of weeks, send me another email because sometimes stuff gets buried in my inbox, but I do try to respond to everybody who emails me.
1: Awesome. Yeah. I mean, guys, I'm not even kidding. Like these articles are, are on point. They're not, there's this information that you're just not going to find anywhere else. At least I let have. me,
0: if I could just throw out for the ladies listening, um, I, I kind of recommend if you just go to the homepage and scroll down, there's a, a article about, uh, women in the home, sort of mm. what, what is What is a, I'll shoot. What is it titled?
1: Uh, What are women's roles in the, uh, in the, uh,
0: no, that's not, that's not it. It's, um, uh, how important are women to a Christian household? Very, just go to the homepage and scroll down. You should see it. And read uh, that one first, a ton of really good, I've got a ton of really good feedback from that article. So, uh, cause we, we did spend a lot of time talking to the men here. So for the women listening, you might, you might enjoy that.
1: Yeah. I love that article. Actually. I sent it to a, a girl that I'm talking to and she enjoyed it as well. So, all right. Well, I appreciate your time. We're here. We are at hour and 43. I think this might be my longest podcast, dude. And I don't think I've ever talked to anybody this long. Oh, okay. Yeah. So this is good. I'm time flew by too. So it I'm did a little bit, yeah. Yeah. So follow along, share this episode with someone that needs to hear it or see it and tune in for the next one with a uh, Berean Patriot. And uh, I think you're really going to enjoy this 10 episode series. So anyway, have a great Friday. Have a great weekend. Love you guys. See you.